WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And this week's guest is getting ready to celebrate 100 issues of Power Rangers at Boom Studios, as well as upcoming Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Ryan Parrott. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks for having me on here, guys. I, I'm disappointed. I thought this was going to be us just debating who's a better quarterback, Jalen uh, Jalen Hurts or Tua Tunga Vailoa. But we can talk about Power Rangers too. <laughs> I, I have. Uh, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm a little behind on this season. I know we're. We you guys are good. So yeah. Philadelphia should be very happy. You guys are everybody. Everybody's happy in the city of brotherly love. Yeah. The thing is, though, they're not. That's the <gasps> thing about Philly sports fans. They're three and zero, and they're still finding reasons to complain. <laughs> To be fair, though, I was watching I watched the Eagles Lions game and I, I remembered like we were at a, a diner in the first quarter and being like, hmm, this doesn't feel like it's going as well as the last time they played. Right. Yeah. They, but, they've been beating everybody up that to, uh, to pulp for the first two games. But I so, say, yeah, I know I, I'm a Dolphin fan. So trust me, I know exactly <laughs> what it's like to barely get by and only just just skim by when you win. So, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. It d- doesn't stop them from staying up late at night when they win and just blasting music until 2 a.m. either. So, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, laces out, Dan. But, uh, you know, I-, I was curious, kind of for starters, what uh, what does your desk look like in your office space? You know, are you the type to surround your workspace with the action figures of the characters that you've written? You know, do you have like a uh, an area in your house that's like a hot, power rangers mess well no i so it's a really on my list of to do is i actually have clean off desk because it's so busy i can't actually even write on it right now it's just stacks of receipts and old things um and i usually write in writer like in coffee shops like there's a coffee shop down the street that i write in uh it's really funny i was actually at a uh power morphin con uh, which is the giant, you know, the the, the um, Pasadena convention. And I was there doing a, a Q&A for like the 100 issues that I'd done. And I got done. And one of uh, as we were walking out the stage, this guy walks up to me. He was like, I think you're my customer. And I looked at him and I was like, yeah. And he's like, every day, like chai with two pumps of like sugar-free vanilla. I was like, oh, man. He's like, I didn't realize you were writing Power Ranger comics in the coffee shop next to me the whole time. I would have had stuff signed. And so it was just funny, but... <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, but I, I write mostly in outdoor places just because I have to get away from my 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 little very cute puppy and he will just come and be like, hey, play with me. And I'm like, I have to write a comic and he doesn't care. So, um, yeah, so movie. So but right now, I, my, my desk looks absolutely awful. Uh, I and I'm only allowed and my wife will be mad at me for saying this. I'm only allowed the action figures I'm allowed to have are the only ones I created. So I have a OK, I have a two Funko Pops and I have a um, and I think I have a uh, Ranger Slayer figure under somewhere, but that's about it. <laughs> that, that's uh that's that's excellent and uh i, I know I, we talked about it last time when we were talking at the con but just wait for you know uh, rogue son and the entire <laughs> you know rogues gallery there it, it'll happen hopefully that that's the dream really it's just like create a create an action figure so you can create a character and get action figures sorry i'm chewing something i apologize all good <laughs> and then <laughs> st- stupidest question of the hour might as well get it out early when Morbius came out and people started yelling, it's Morbin time. Did you see a boost in sales from that? I wish. Uh, <laughs> that'd been amazing. Uh, if I was smart enough, I think that we would have like figured out a way to like incorporate um, Matt Smith's dance into the, in the comics in some way. That would have been really cool. Uh, no, but <laughs> it's weird. What a weird 
thing that come out of that movie. Like, like, what, like you just can't you can't figure out how that stuff happens. Like, it's just like a weird like, how did that come up? Like, who was like, you know what? Let's tie this into the Power Rangers. Like, I don't I don't know how that happened. It's pretty nuts. OK, especially for a movie that listen, I, I do that. The AMC, the A-list thing at AMC theaters where I pay twenty five dollars a month and I can see up to three movies a week for free or for the twenty five dollars a month. And I always see whatever is in the large format screen because I'm saving the most money, making the most money off it that way. So I saw Morbius the Friday it came out. I was one of six people in that movie theater. (laughs) It is like I go to see everything on that big screen. It is rare that on a a Friday or a Saturday there is it's usually at least half full. Nope. Not on that one. (laughs) No. That was a weird one. Like, I think I saw that movie and I was like, I remember about 20 to 35 minutes into it. I was like, what would I have done? Because not, not in like a cocky way, but like, I don't know how to do this story. Like, you know, like it's like one of those movies you see and you're like, I'm not sure what th- it was like. I don't know the different approach that they could have made that would have made that movie like awesome. Like it's and it's like it's not even the worst movie in the world. It's not that bad. Right. It's just not. A great movie. Although I will say, man, that 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 after credit sequence was just mailed in. That is atrociously bad. I'm sorry. You can tell that it was all like looped in after the fact. And it almost felt like somebody went into all of Michael Keaton's movies and like took the words out of his other films and assembled his dialogue. Oh, man, it was rough. And who puts the post credit scene in the trailer? Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that was a rough one, man. But no, I didn't get any money out of that one, unfortunately. Maybe next time. Maybe when Morpheus Morbin Morbin Time 2, it'll really boost our sales. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ABC always be leveraging. But uh, <laughs> let, let's let's start off with the most immediate thing. So uh, Money More from Power Rangers 100 is coming out Wednesday as we're recording. Uh, big round number celebration issue. Uh, engineered through legacy numbering. This is also your swan song on Power Rangers, uh, as far as the main title is concerned. Uh, you know, how 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 are we feeling about that right now? Oh man, um, a little surreal. Um, it's weird to to I haven't had like insane deadlines for the first time in six years, uh, and I'm still not quite sure how to deal with that. I'm like, I, I should be writing something, or I should be not writing something, right? Something's got to be due right now. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it's it's nice. I mean, I, I feel like it was 100 issues. I think I ended up doing the math. I think it was like 104 or 106 issues when, when all said and done. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's plenty. I feel like that's more than any person should be allowed to write Power Rangers for an extended period of time. Um, but, you know, I really love those characters and it was a lot of fun. And I, you know, I, I remember my dad, my editor told me really early on, probably like around like issue 30 or 40. She's like, you know, I really I think. I want you to stay in this long term. I, I think that writers get an opportunity to really stretch their legs um, when they get to do a book for an extended period of time and not many writers get to. And so she's like, I'd love to give you that opportunity to try that. And so that was that's really cool. And I, I I know I'll probably never get this again. So I feel like I'm I'm trying to sort of savor it. I'm I'm really nervous about Wednesday, if I'm being honest. Like, I I hope it's good. I hope people like it. Um I took some chances, I think, with it emotionally. I don't have you guys got a chance to read it. Did they send you a yes. copy yet? Yes. Oh, cool. OK, so you can tell me hopefully how I did uh, either offer on the air your call. <laughs> but yeah, there was some stuff that we took some swings at that I was I was I was hoping for. And I, I felt like ultimately um, the goal was to try and 
I kind of went back and thought about what I really liked about Gogo and like what I was enjoy- what I really liked about writing that story. And to me, that was emotional stories about characters. And it was all about sort of it was like, you know, 70% being a high school student and 30% giant monsters. And so I kind of approached that, I think, in the finale. I tried to make it more about, you know, where everybody was emotionally as opposed to, you know, doing the cool Megazord. You know, that's all in there. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I tried to I tried to go back to my roots a little bit. And and so hopefully that's what people liked. And hopefully that's what that will hopefully uh, impact some pe- readers when they read it on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say spoil spoiler free impression. I think there is a, a very good mix, especially toward the end of emotional beats and also cool shit. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. Thank you. Glad to hear. That's all you really want. Cool, cool beats and emotion and, and, and cool shit and emotional beats. Or cool beats and emotional shit. You know, yeah, it works it, too. Yeah. 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 I would have gone with the latter. Go good. <laughs> <laughs> Mix and match. Mix and match. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Boom put out a preview for issue 100 about, about a month ago, I think. And this was, I found this interesting. Instead of full pages, we kind of get these slivers of pages. You know, definitely more teasy than a lot of comics previews can be, where it's like, here's the first five full lettered pages of, of you know, whatever whatever comic FOC is, is whatever date, you know, that's inside baseball stuff, but you know, kind of what I'm getting at is, you know, it, it does give you the feeling that there's something there just above or below what I'm looking at that I'm supposed to be surprised by and, and gasped by. So you know, I think as previews go, I think boom did a good job of kind of hyping this one up. Yeah, when they they sent me the early, I usually don't get to see FOC stuff. Usually, for the most time, that's they control covers, they control mm-hmm. FOC, um, they pick the pages. Um, but for this one, I actually asked if I could see what they were doing ahead of time, and they sent me the pages, and I was like, "Can you move that up? You know, half an inch? Can you move that down <laughs> half an inch? Just because there was some stuff in there, because I know they wanted to highlight." the the sort of the the rogues gallery of artists that were able to come back but those guys i'm not going to just give them a random page i wanted to give them you know the good like the good stuff and i was like let's not let's not spoil all the stuff that happens in the middle of the book that way so i think they did a they were very sort of like magnifying glass on the stuff but i i I was happy with what they ultimately chose because i i mean there's one that if it, it literally if it moved down like you guys know what to talk about. There's one that if it moves down like half an inch, it's like, well, there's the whole end of the end of the book. So yeah, that was kind of fun. <laughs> um, the the big villain of issue 100 is the Death Ranger. So in in kind of prepping for this, I took a look at Paul Aller's uh, Death Ranger one shot that came out last month. It's a very Marvel villain kind of origin story. This character motivated by grief and their inability to process, uh, you know, the depth the depth of a friend. Um, you know, we're so I think where we're talking about sort of the emotional beats that are in 100, uh, you know, it gives it gives it gives the thing that happened in 100 like a, a real hook that uh, was very much uh, impressed by. Yeah. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I came up so like the Death Ranger was a design that I had come up with when I first started the book. Like Go Go like five. I wrote, I drew a picture of oh. the the helmet with the mat with the teeth. I just thought that was a cool like. Like there's always been the like debate whether or not, you know, they should have the fate, the, the weird teeth, you know, like mm. the, fact that the Green Ranger plays a flute through a metal like faceplate, you know, like how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always been like an emphasis. I was like, well, it'd be cool if you got rid of that. And you just had the teeth. That'd be a really scary kind of like thing. So I'd always had that sort of as the back 
um, in the back of my head. And so I did all, did all these issues and then we got to like the last run. And when we discovered that it was going to be about life and when I wanted it to be, cause like, if you look at my run, if I, I look at my, my entire run is like four parts. Uh, okay. part one is go, go is the teenage years. That's like, like high school, right? It's like the mm-hmm. forgotten friends and, and stuff like that. And then part two is necessary evil. And that's when the white ranger comes in. And I looked at that as you, you know, you go to college, like half your friends go to college and they go and then they come back and they're they they do not get along with their dad anymore anymore because they took a sociology class and they don't get along with their friends because their friends haven't left school and go to the same places but you've seen the rest of the world that's the omega mm-hmm. rangers right and then and for the part after that which is the altarian war that story was about what do you do with the rest of your life when you get out of college you don't have a mentor anymore you got to find your own path like that's the part right after that it's like oh is this is what i'm going to do with the rest of my life and so i thought when we when they, they said you're going to do like last six issues i was like okay what comes after college and right around that time in your life that's when you know your friends start having kids and you start losing family members and it felt like that's that part where you start to mature it's when you know you start to find your own this is my life and this is what this is what loss is and so i wanted this last run to be about having kids and losing people and so when that when we realized it was about death i was like then we should bring the death ranger in that seems like a nice a nice sort of final capper. And so we had an idea. I had kind of a bare bones idea what it was going to be. I knew kind of where I needed to fall in. I knew what the powers, I knew how it was going to culminate, but the actual character was all Paul. Like I, I, we kind of gave it to Paul and was like, Hey, you know, like do the one shot, you know, like these are, these are, these are the, the, the benchmarks that I need. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can, you can do it all yourself. And he was the one who made it non made them, but non-binary, um, which to be fair is they're aliens. So they should, probably all be non-binary to be honest <laughs> like so uh like that was one part that was his and then the concept of 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 who they came where they came from and their perspective on life after death that was a lot of paul and so i really enjoyed that because i got when i got to read the outlines it sort of i was in the middle i think of writing i think i was like halfway through the arc when i when he gave me the first outline and i got to read it and so that sort of it, it sort of shifted the the character a little bit, which was really fun. It's a it's nice. That was one of the nice things about having somebody sort of write you into a corner with a character, and then you have to write your way out, which is actually nice. So, like Paul, I thought Paul did a wonderful job with it. Absolutely. Now, uh, one thing you've got you've got all these artists uh, coming back for for issue one artists uh, issue one hundred, and. You know, a lot of them, a lot of the artists that got their start on Power Rangers have gone on to do some pretty great stuff. You know, Dan Mora basically get, gets to draw whatever he wants at DC. Uh, Simone DeMeo got to do uh, We Only Find Them But They're Dead. Eleanor, uh, Eleanor Carlini is doing an X-Men book right now. Uh, Daniel DeNiquilo did Seven Secrets. He's drawing a du- Judgment Day tie-in at Marvel. You know, uh, how does it feel to be a kingmaker in that respect? <laughs> Well, I taught them everything they know. Um, <laughs> I did ask, I did, Dan's going to kill me for this. I did ask, I was at a comic convention with Dan. Like, the, uh-huh. I've only been to two of them ever. We're sitting there signing and I was like, hey man, I got to know. I was like, what is like, you work at Grant Morrison? He's like, yeah. I was like, who writes a better script? And don't be, don't be swayed by the fact that he's not here and then I am. And he looked at me and he goes, yours are shorter. And I was like, I'll take it. I'll take it, man. I'll take it. 
<laughs> but uh yeah it, it's been i've been really lucky like uh to work with i think daphne plebin who's the editor on the book since the beginning has done such a wonderful job of him she found dan mora i mean that's pretty incredible um and like you said that guy can just kind of he's sort of like the the gold he's like the a he's like the gold standard right now for i think for superhero comic books i think he's amazing yeah. um i was i don't i didn't know who he was when i got go go i was like oh cool who's this guy and then i got the first issue i was like he seems pretty good and everybody's like you're out of your mind dude he's like one of the best artists out there and then when he left after 12 i was really sad i was like what am i not good enough <laughs> but then i got i got very lucky and, and it's like it's nice to be able to i think one thing that's cool is like if you look at them they all are there's I, I don't know the exact styles but like they all have their own kind of different feel to them but they all kind of they all sort of flow together in a really kind of fun way like i it was really fun to have when we did in the book there were everybody kind of got one or two pages and we got to kind of go from one artist to the other it was really fun picking what pages the artist got because we had to think about their style and what they and I kind of went back and went back and looked at all the work that I did with them and I was like what did I love that they did best and then we tried to give them those pages like Eleonora Carlina she did such good stuff in that in the color swap stuff in GoGo mm -hmm. that they and I loved all the emotional stuff I was like let's give her like the really smaller smaller moments I, I love you know she can do Megazords as good as anybody but I was like I really love the energy she can give to a face and let's do that. And so, and, you know, with, you know, doing with like, uh, uh, Simone DiMio, like I was like, we got to give him, you know, like it, anyways, like, actually I don't think Simone came back for this one. Did he, did he, I don't know. I can't remember. It's too many to people. Go check the credits. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's a lot. We had a lot of people yeah. and, and they all have Italian names that I mispronounce all the time. So like, I'm not going to try it, but they're all awesome. And it's, I was so the the best thing to the best answer I can have is that not everybody we went to was like, absolutely 100%. I'll come back. And that was a very nice, that was a very nice thing to have everybody say. Now, uh, issue 100, like every good and important comic from 30 years ago comes with a trading card. Uh, <laughs> Is that is that the kind of thing that for you was like, oh, your your inner child is screaming right now because, you know, ties to when you had started collecting or anything like that? I wanted a hologram on the cover it was like like those old like what was the ones that were Wolverine got all his metal stole out uh, of the, the body? Fatal attraction like, covers. Yeah, yes, I wanted yes, that yes. stuff where like you turn them and they just kind of show like I was like, that's what I want. And they're like, that's expensive. Lose alone, right? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the trading cards are awesome. I think the best thing about the trading cards was our, and I don't know if, if 100 is doing this, too. Are they poly bagged with the cards inside so you can't see what cards you're getting? They should. If they didn't, they should have because that mm -hmm. was the best thing, right? You get the you get the poly bag, and then you grab them off the shelf, and then you try to look through the seams to see if you could see kind of what was inside. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we should try to do that to make make it really hard. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like now when you buy those little uh, blind bag Lego minifigures of exactly like, the Muppets or the Simpsons or whatever. Yeah. You're trying to make the heads out and see if you can feel. Uh, yeah. You're like you're guaranteed one like lucrative or one very very rare one i'm like i hope it's not the very rare one i already have but yeah no i totally <laughs> hopefully that's what we that was our goal we, there's only one card there's only one green uh drag uh green ranger everybody else is you know, so no i'm kidding i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> you, you just almost started a run on that one you know yeah <laughs> exactly yeah there's only one in the entire united states <laughs> the speculators are listening yep <laughs> I mean, I hope they are. Anyway, uh, so after after this, uh, Melissa Flores is taking over the series. Uh, you know, is there any sort of onboarding process for her that you're involved in, or do you get to just sort of you know doff your cap and, and walk off into the sunset? Uh, the sunset in this case being Power Rangers Ninja Turtles. Um, it's a, not a bad sunset. Um, 
Yeah, no, Melissa, I've known Melissa for a while now. So uh, when she told me she got the gig, uh, or actually I heard it from a friend, I was like, I emailed her immediately. I was like, this is amazing. Like, you're going to do a great job. Like, if there was anybody who was ever going to take over after me, it would, I would, and I got to pick, it would definitely be you. She's mm-hmm. been there from the beginning. She was in, she was there for Shatter Grit. She was there for Go-Go. She read, she, she's heard every pitch and told me no on, on several occasions. Uh, but um uh, which I will never let her forget. But uh, no, she she's great. And so, yeah, like she kind of came and, and she was very cool about like, hey, this is sort of what I'm thinking. And she let me read a lot of it. And I had some ideas and and it's but to be fair, like it's really nice because I for the first time in six years, it was nice to just kind of get to be a fan and get somebody to hand you a document that was like, here's all the characters. And what's really fun about that is like is is like you, you know, I'm always like I don't plan everything you're going forward but like you always are always thinking like how could you do this and where you could go with that story and how that character could work out and it was just neat to have somebody hand me something where i was like oh i never thought about going that direction or i always wanted to do that i'm glad you're going to be doing that so like it was a nice little mix of of all three emotions um but um yeah i'm 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 definitely around whatever she needs me i just saw her today so but uh, no, she's going to be great. And I- I'm just excited to actually get to be a fan and read stuff as a, and, and as a fan for the first time in God for forever. And Melissa is now part of the massive verse, correct? Yes, she is uh, the dead lucky, uh, which is awesome. And I, she was just pitching me what she was going to do with the rest of the, with the next few issues uh, today uh, when I saw her. So yeah, she's that's, it seems like everybody in the massive verse has worked on power Rangers at some point in their life. And now we're all getting together and just being like, what are we going to do that? They wouldn't let us do and do crazy <laughs> stuff like that. So yeah, it was, it's the massive verse has been the craziest like i was just telling kyle this today i was like it feels like everything we start to do is like that's something you should do in two or three years not this week like like we're just like it's just like it's an if it's like a that little ball that like a snowball that you drop on top of like a mountain it just starts rolling it bigger and bigger and bigger and that's how it feels sometimes with the massiverse because like i remember when kyle pitched me when he was going to think about doing radiant black mm-hmm. and i was like oh that's cool and then we were at a football game and he's like uh, he did. He'd been working on it for like six months. And he's like, yeah, it's going really well over there. I really like it. Have you ever thought about doing one? And I was like, yeah, I got an idea. And I pitched him Rogue Son just off the cuff. He's like, you should totally do that. And then two weeks later, it was it was real. And I was like, what the heck? And so, yeah, it's just a whirlwind of of stuff. But it's nice. That's the fun part of that world is like. I think, you know, having worked on Power Rangers for so long, there was a lot of stuff that and to be fair, like Hasbro was didn't say no to me a lot, but there's you know, it's a big brand. They got to protect that brand as a writer on those things. You're just you're just leasing the property. You know, you're not buying. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice. It, so like there's just certain things you're just not allowed to do because they have to take into consideration the overall pro- the everything else that's going on. Right. But when you go and you do something like the Massiverse, there's I mean, you're actually it's in our best interest to try and shake up the status quo as much as possible. It's our goal to try and do things that are risky and are different and are things that you, if you ever had a flying impulse to do something, you should try and do it now because, you know, as, as I've heard people say before, it's like, there's a thousands, there's, I'm probably underselling it. There's thousands of superhero books out there. Why do they need to read a new one when they can go read Batman or Spider-Man or Daredevil or anything or Power Rangers. Like you got to give them something different. And that challenge is one of the scariest, but also one of the most like creatively fulfilling parts of doing independent comic books. It's like, I'm doing a, I did a, like I I don't want to say a thing, but like choose your own path 
adventure. Yeah. With the seventh issue. And that was, that was something I'd always thought would be really fun. And then I, and then I was like, Hey Kyle, what do you think? He's like, you have to do that. Like you can't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to let you do anything else now. And I was like, okay. And then we just finished that issue and like, it came out exactly the way that I wanted it. And so, and, and it spawned another crazy idea that I'm going to try in one another issue. And it's like, you know, just trying to find things that you're like, yeah, like Kyle just did with Radiant Black or Radiant Black 18. He did the whole, it's all one page. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, I remember he pitched it to me. I was like, what do you mean one page? He's like, yeah, it's going to be the whole thing on one page. I was like, how are people going to buy it? <laughs> but like, it's just like, and it's been fun. Like those are the, that's the fun of, of comics. It's like, you've been doing it so long now. It's like, and you've seen enough stuff. It's like, you know, how do you, how do you try and shake it up a little bit? And, and, you know, kind of, Jump, jumping ahead you know it's it seems like you guys are are playing top that with each other kind of using those those yeah. uh examples i just read about the the single page time loop nycc uh version of of yeah. radiant black 18 i'm like jesus christ i thought a, a choose your own adventure was uh yeah trippy well when kyle showed me the animated short film that he made i was like now you're just cheating <laughs> you didn't tell me we could do that, man. Like you didn't tell me we could just create a whole new medium and, you know, get your celebrity friends to come in and play these characters. I don't have any of that stuff yet, but like, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of the fun things about being, uh, that's, I mean, look, I've, I've done two or three creative own books and this is the most fun I've ever had doing one. And it's probably because I get to do it with my friends. I, I know that sounds cheesy, but that's the fun part. Like it, doing it in a, doing a comic book, doing any comic book is super hard. Finding a way to get people to read it, finding a new idea that doesn't feel like it's been done a thousand times. And I think also like when you do a book at image, it's like creating, it's like, it's sort of like running your own little business. Like it's, yeah. a, you know, you're dealing with all the, all the financial stuff you've never dealt with finding artists and colors and letters and making deadlines and all that stuff that you just, you just let your editors deal with in the past. Right now yeah. you get to do it. And I would not be able to do any of it if it wasn't for Kyle and Matt and Michael and Melissa and everybody else that we're working with, like, and, and Abel, obviously, but like, that's the fun part of it is like, we help each other. And at the same time, there's that thing where like, when Kyle does something cool, you're like, well, shoot, what am I going to do? That's cool. So that I don't feel like I'm just making a comic book over here. And so like, we challenge each other when we push each other and it's, and it's, and I think the fun thing is it's like, it's about, it's not just about doing it to like do it. It's about trying to figure out a way to make it, you know, organic to the story and like if you read if you read rogue sun seven it's very important the choose the, the choose your own path story of it all is very much in line with where the story is at that point because i just didn't want to just do it to just do it it's actually mm-hmm. part of the story and it's going to be you know canon going forward and it'll make sense when you when you read it but like that was the other stuff too we're not just doing it to like you know hopefully get a, a headline or a tweet about it the whole mm-hmm. the goal is to try and you know, make it all sort of co- narratively cohesive. I'm just curious. So, you know, Melissa just joined in the the little collective with Dead Lucky. Mm-hmm. First, how does something like that come about? I mean, it's this little group. Does someone pitch one of you? Does do they pitch the editor? Do they, you know, do you sit around in front of the, you know, the heads of the five families of the Godfather? You must, yeah, you you have to bring an offering. Uh, it's either gold, frankincense, or myrrh. Uh, and no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, the way that one worked was like I think it started with just Kyle. Kyle, Kyle did the first book, and then 
uh, he, we went to a football game together and, and I, I'd been doing stuff for a while. And so I was like, hey, what do you think? And he's like, that'll be fun. And then Matt, um, who had, did uh, Kyle knew from doing the Power Ranger podcast, uh, Ranger, the Ranger Danger. I always get it mixed up with the one I actually wrote in the comic book. But anyways, with Michael and Matt, they knew each other. And so Matt was like, I want to do this other thing. And I was thinking that and Kyle's like, yeah, I can help do that. And one of the things I, I've said this about Kyle in the past, like I think the only thing Kyle likes more than writing comic books is figuring out ways to market them and also figuring out ways to help other people. Like that's one of his best qualities. And Kyle, if you are hearing this, you have plenty of qualities that aren't cool, but I'm just going to give you the one that's really cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, but like, he's great at that. He is a very generous guy who loves to develop and loves to like shepherd and mentor and, and just help people. And, and that's kind of the way the Massiverse sort of spawned. And it was just him knowing friends who wanted to do it. I, I've said this before, and I think it's a really crazy thing. I, I, you know, before, and like, I'm, I'm generalizing a little bit, but before, um, I think before the Massiverse, if you wanted to do a original superhero comic book at image, you had to have written spider-man or x-men or you had to have written the big two and done one of the big books pretty much i mean there's, i'm sure there's a few out there that are that i that that broke that rule but for the most part that's the way you did it the crazy thing with with dead lucky that's melissa's first comic book and she her first comic book is a original superhero at image that is flipping the the, the structure on its head mm -hmm. and that's because we all looked at each other and said you know if we created a superhero universe like, cause like I was 13 when image came out and loved, I bought every single one of those books. I bought so many of, I bought all, I, I bought the ones I bought blood strike and brigade and, and glory and super Patriot. I bought, I bought all the crazy stuff, right? I bought all, if it had an image <laughs> logo on the top, I bought it. And so I love that world. And what's really crazy is in those 25 years since image came out, like it changed. It became, it turned into a 24. It became, you know, became this sort of niche great. I mean, amazing work being made at image it's still a gold standard, mm -hmm. but it became its own sort of like independent studio thing where it was not really about superhero comics anymore. It was about all these other great, like saga and the walking dead and all that stuff. Right. Invincible, obviously, but all the others. Mm -hmm. And so I know what was really exciting for Eric Stevenson. He was like, he wanted to go back to that. He wanted to bring back those, that sort of independent superhero element, um, because he's like, that's what we were founded on. There feels like there's not, there's, there's, a, there's an appetite for that. And we were just lucky enough to be, I think, part of that, right. Having done our own stuff on the outside at that time that we might be willing to try and do that. And also wanting to, to, to be a part of that legacy. Like to me, getting, I can't believe, I still have to pinch myself. I can't believe I have a superhero comic book and image. That's crazy. Like I, it's like, it's like getting to play with the Beatles, man. Like, it's just like, it's weird. I don't, I don't, I still don't quite understand that. But like, I feel like that's the fun about the Massiverse for us is that we all help each other. And, and in, because in doing that, it obviously helps the books prosper. It also, and, and we're all, we were just literally talking about this today. We, we don't want to get much bigger. We want to keep it this size because we're our friends. We don't, this isn't about just making as many books as we can. We mm -hmm. want to make a cohesive universe that moves forward narratively, challenges each other, and and gets to do all the fun stuff we wanted to. The goal isn't to make 50 books and and make everybody go, you know, broke. I already feel guilty enough, guys. <laughs> yeah. That was a long-winded answer to it literally just came through friendships and and did yours. And also we've heard people re there's been some very cool. I, I hope I'm okay to say this. Yeah, screw it. It's okay. Um <laughs> we've had some big people reach out and go, hey, we'd love to do a book. 
and the massive verse and then pitches the idea and kind of go, yeah, it doesn't really fit in that world. It'll, you know, like it's, we want it to all exist in the same universe. And if this one has talking dinosaurs in it, that's going to make things a little complicated in New Orleans. So like, you know, I think that's the goal. It's like finding the ones that fit um, and also staying small enough that we can all work together and collaborate and stuff like that. It's not just about making as many books as we can. See, and your long answer answered the second question I was going to ask. So that worked out really well. <laughs> it was about talking dinosaurs, wasn't it? I knew it. Oh, I knew absolutely. It. it was. Everything's about talking dinosaurs in the long run. I mean, you've ever read Atomic Robo, Dr. Dinosaur. <laughs> Everything comes out of Dr. Dinosaur for me. Awesome. So, you know, it, it, it's it's clear you all are, are a tight group. You know, you kind of you had a staff meeting uh, earlier today, you know, at C2E2 over the summer, you guys got to throw a massive verse party uh, in Chicago. How was that experience of, of kind of creating that setting where you get to meet the fans of the thing that you specifically helped make? Um, that was really cool. I, I wasn't actually going to go um, because I had, I, I had done like four festivals or four, four cons in a row. And, and, mm -hmm. you know, I miss my wife and I don't get to see her all that often sometimes. And I was like, you know, I'm going to skip it this year. And Kyle was like, you can't, you can't skip this. Like this is, it's in, we're throwing a party in the city that radiant black exists. And like, it's going to be like, this is, this is, we are right on the edge of, we, or we right on the beginning of this thing, like, please come. And I was like, okay. So I did. And it was a, heck of a flight and getting over there man no one tells you how much what traffic's like in chicago you know how far that airport is away from lockport way too far <laughs> just like insane it's like six hours anyways um but we went i got to go all the way out there and when i got there i did not regret it everybody was was so cool uh i got to meet a bunch of people they all knew and had interesting questions some of them just wanted to like talk about the book and not really like I, I've, I've always thought people always came to me with it because they were like give me spoilers that wasn't what it was about like one person came to me and told me that they really loved rogue son um because that their father um was somebody who had abandoned them when they were a kid um to go and i think it was like had traveled the world to help other families and left them behind and then came back I think it was when they were 14 or 15 and tried to set a, like, finally, like it's very weird parallel to the rogue son story. Mm -hmm. And it was just, and they had like, they were reading this book and they said it hit them really hard. Cause they felt like they felt like Dylan and they understood that desire to want their father to, to still like to get that, 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 that appreciation, but also be so angry at them. And so like, I wouldn't have got to have that conversation if it wasn't for, for that, for that party. So, and then we had like, you know, Kyle had cardboard cutouts of all the characters. So we got to stand around. It was just very surreal. It was like being at Disneyland for your own imagination. Uh, it's very <laughs> crazy. That's awesome. Um, kind of getting back uh, a little bit, cause you do have, uh, so you've got, you've got Power Rangers, Ninja Turtles 2, uh, two Morphin, two Turtles uh, <laughs> coming out at the end of the year. Uh, just for the listeners real quick, I'll read like the little blurb for it. Uh, it's been six months since the Teenagers with Attitude and the Heroes in a Half Shell teamed up to defeat the unholy alliance of Rita Repulsa and Shredder. But a new threat will force them to reunite in the crossover you demanded uh, between an invasion from beyond old enemies teaming up with unlikely accomplices and a threat to the Rangers' powers themselves, will the two teams survive the onslaught, or will they need help from the most unexpected ally imaginable? So, 
we we got to talk to you a little bit at Fan Expo Philly earlier this year, and you mentioned the the first crossover was you know uh, a highlight of your career. You know, one of your favorite things that you've gotten to do. What is the sort of primal feeling when it comes to doing a sequel or or finding out that you know there's going to be a sequel? Is it is it more excitement or you know is there a little bit of uh, oh, shit? How am I going to top this? Or both? Dread. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's a both, but it's dread. Like yeah, like I. I really, really like the first one. Like, as a, it was just fun. It was a really yeah. fun experience to write. Uh, it wasn't hard. I, like, it most stuff you write, you know, I write. I tends to. There's that point in the middle where you're like, I don't think I'm. I need to start over. But you can't do that in comics, which is one of the fun parts about it. It's like, ah, oh, the first two issues are out. Nothing you can do about it now. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. So like, I really enjoyed that that writing experience. And so when they were like, Do you want to do a second one? I was at first. I was actually a little hesitant. I was like, Maybe someone else should do it. Maybe someone else to who wants to do these characters right, write these characters as much as I did the first one could could come in and and wouldn't feel the the expectation they would just get to come in there and, and play with the toys. Mm -hmm. uh, but ultimately I was like, yeah, it's the chance to work with Dan Mora again, the chance to write turtles and Rangers again, when I never know if I'll ever get to do that again. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, let's try it. However, it's, it's scary. Like I'm, I think I'm about halfway through issue two right now. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it's I, the one nice thing about doing the first one is uh, if everything's new, when you do have to do the second one, you have to make sure you're not repeating yourself. So you have to find a way to try and make it, it's a weird balancing act of finding a way to make it the same tone and take all the things you'd liked about the first one, but find just a slightly different enough way that it doesn't feel like you're reading the first one over again. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's that's the hard part. It's like, oh, man, they're just going to if they read the first one, they're going to read the second one and know exactly what the beats are because I'm doing the same thing over again. I don't want to do that. So it's finding. So we took a we did take a little bit of a risk in the second one. There is there is one particular story element that. um I am very interested to see how people react to. I can't tell you what that is, but it's one of those things where like, it's a challenge. It's a risk. Uh, my closest personal friends I have told and gone like, am I going to get tarred and feathered when this comes out? <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 it's cool. They liked it. So I'm going to go along with it, but it's a fun thing. And, and, it, and the best part for me is there was a bunch of stuff in the first the first one I, that I we didn't have room to to put into it that mm -hmm. I was able to go okay we can put that into it we can put that back into it we can do that again and and you know like that's the fun part is like okay hopefully hopefully people like it as much as the first one um, but man I I I know this sounds cheesy but like I love those characters so much like I, them together turtles and rangers is such a perfect mix like they 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 just they feel like they were written to go together. You know, like they, the characters go well together, the situation, like there's a scene, there's a scene between, um, God, can I say it? I guess I can. There's a scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I'll screw it. I want to do it. There's a scene between Zordon and Splinter. Okay. That was such a fun, right? Because they this is they're the only two people who could have this conversation together because they know exactly what it's like to mentor a group of children and send them out into battle and know what it's like to what it, that but that combination of pride and fear mm -hmm. and that was such a fun scene to write that i was like this is why you bring these two together i am a firm believer that plot is an excuse for character and the point of these interactions is you guys look, I'm not going to tell you anything. You don't know. I think the I think the Rangers and turtles are probably going to win at the end, you know? <laughs> so, so, but that's the point. If you know, they're going to probably win, 
like it's what's the point of the story and it's 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 the it's the opportunity to make Zach and Michelangelo argue over pizza toppings. It's an interesting situation to see Leonardo and 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 uh, and and uh, Jason argue over uh, just discuss different fighting techniques with, with with swords or Tommy and Raphael to hate each other. Like that's the that's the reason you write this is to see those interactions. And so I wanted the second one to just be more of that and and to now that they've evolved and know each other better, you could really dig into their friendship and their and their lack of friendship in certain areas. So that that was the fun for me. I hope that's the hope that's a good enough answer. I almost spoiled the entire plot, by the way. <laughs> Um, you could have heard it here first, folks. I could could have. Have. Yeah. 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 Ryan got fired yeah. after issue two. Why? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So, uh, speaking of 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 Dan Morrow, who's come up a few times this episode, but how how the hell did Boom manage to get him back for this? I feel like that guy is is at this point is everything everywhere all at once. You know, he's still wrapping up this once in future. He's I drawing am. world's finest. Now he's got this. I mean, was it just a matter of basically kind of like finding a hole in his schedule to, to make this all happen? Well, I've told people this before and I think it's true. I am convinced Dan has a twin brother that he has chained up in his basement because that's <laughs> the only way he can draw the amount of pages that he draws when we did ranger slayer the ranger slayer one shot um uh, daphne said hey so um i was like i was right i just started my arc and she was like so we want to do a ranger slayer one shot i know you'd love to do the character um Mm -hmm. i can get another writer um or you can do it and i was like well you know i'm pretty busy doing both books at the time and i was also starting the turtles ranger so i was writing three power ranger comics the same a month Mm -hmm. and in three different time periods which is always fun and uh so she was like, um, so you don't, we, I can get somebody else or you can write it. That means you're going to have four Power Ranger comic books in one month. But I think Dan Moore is willing to do Ranger Slayer. And I was like, how? He's too busy. She's like, he's going to draw one page a weekend in between all of his other stuff. So on his time off from actually writing, drawing three comic books a month, he's going to draw one on the weekends. But that means you have to write the book six months in advance. And so I was like, okay. So I wrote it really quickly and wrote mm-hmm. the first 20 pages. He got to work and then did that. So that's the way. And I was like, why did Dan want to do that? He's like, Dan really loves drawing Power Rangers. So when he did the covers for the first Turtles Rangers and then he read it, I got an email from him and he's like, if you do another one, I want to do it. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah. So that's <laughs> the reason he's back is because he loves the turtles and the Rangers and he just wants to draw them. I think, like I said, I think he's too busy, you know, drawing Superman and Batman with Mark Wade, uh, who's just like, which I'm going to ask him next morning. Run, hey, man, who's a better writer? Me or Mark Wade? Don't be, don't be too, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully my scripts will be shorter. Uh, but yeah, but like, that's why Dan is also Dan is the sweetest, nicest guy in the world. And he makes I actually I, there are pages in this book that I I had an image for like three people that I wanted to see Dan draw together. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to work narratively, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to see this drawing by Dan Mora. So I'm writing it into this the script. So that's part of the writing of, of a turtle Ranger book is just figuring out what you want to see Dan draw. And then, mm-hmm. and then he draws it. That, that's how you keep your artist happy. Yep. <laughs> So, you know, doing Power Rangers for so long, I imagine you're used to sort of the double layer of, of oversight from, you know, Boom and Hasbro. When you're doing Power Rangers Ninja Turtles, is that like 
four times the layers given now you've got idw and and playmates in the mix and also kevin eastman who i assume is just sort of around hanging out yeah i ran into him at a con and i i i ran up to him like a kid because i was like i i was i was like i i, I was like bored at my booth because I was there and I did like a pirouette for no reason. And this guy walks by and he's like, nice moves. I'm like, thanks, man. And then my friend goes, you know, that's Kevin Eastman, right? I was like, oh, wonderful. And so I jumped over the table and ran over to see him <laughs> and I introduced myself and I was like, hey, I'm Ryan. I wrote, he's like, you wrote Turtle Rangers. He's like, I thought that was really good. I was like, oh, thank you, God. <laughs> like, I was just like, that was all I wanted to hear. So yeah, he said he liked it, which is very nice to hear. He's a really nice guy, by the way. I was, I was like, I was like, wow, like you created my childhood and you're like the coolest dude in the world. Um, but yes, he's, I, I don't know if he's going to read this one. I hopefully when, you know, it comes down to it, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, um, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm, I don't think they can fire me. So I can say this, you know, having two companies, two major, major franchises and two comic book companies all give you notes can be, um, uh overwhelming sometimes and uh you know it's especially especially because i think the first one did so well um they want to make sure that this one does too so you know mm -hmm. they they want to have a little more say and and so we're, we're figuring it out um I, you know there's been some stuff that i wanted to do that i think you know like i said they have to defend their brand they have to defend not only one brand they have to defend arguably two of the most successful brands in modern, you know, times the last 40 years. So like they can't have me coming in and breaking stuff. So yeah. So like, it's, it's a, it's a conversation. It's a negotiation. Um, but, um, you know, I think, you know, everybody wants to make the best story possible. So, but yeah, it's, it's a lot sometimes it's uh you know, it's a nice thing when you, it's so different when you go from doing turtles and Rangers and then you go do rogue son and I'm the only one that has to decide <laughs> anything. I'm like, Oh, I don't like that character. They can die. <laughs> like I can just kill them and no one can tell me otherwise. So yeah, it's not, it's a very weird to play in both sides of the, both sides of the fence. Now uh, I did see that there are going to be uh, turtle ranger uh, pops at New York comic-con. Uh, is that, is that something you're going to try to be tracking down? Do they, do they count as things that you've created? <laughs> they do. I, somebody gave me shredder green ranger shredder at the, at Morphin con. They, they brought me over one. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then I get to hand it back to them. They're like, no, no, I bought that for you. And I was like, no. And then they would not take it back. So now it's on my, it's, it's right over here on the shelf. Uh, but yes, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I think, and, you know, like I was a kid, I grew up in all that stuff. And like, I had the justice league, you know, box set with all the toys inside of it or the turtle van that unfolded and had all the action figures in it. So like, mm -hmm. to me, this stuff is just like, it's surreal to have your own action figures. It's crazy. Um, and also I think those, sorry. I think those Turtle Rangers designs are awesome. I love them. I thought they came out. It was a, you want to talk about a long negotiation period. <laughs> that was, that was a long one, uh, but they came out really, really well. And I really ended up liking what we did with those. So like I, and it seems like that's the scariest thing whenever you're working on these big franchises is like every, like I'm just like everybody else. Like I watch the star Wars shows and I have strong opinions about them. And I, you know, mm -hmm. I, I have, you know, I have like everybody. And so I know that people are going to read the turtle ranger stuff and they're going to have opinions about, about what color the Rangers, the turtle Rangers should have been. And if I mm -hmm. made them the right color or not, or like, so you, but you just ultimately just have to do the thing that you believe in. And then hopefully more people agree with you than not. And if not, it's the way of the cookie crumbles. And that's the thing too, you know, you were talking about character interactions earlier. And uh, so one of your examples was, uh, I think it was Ra uh, Raph and uh, Tommy, right? Yeah. So that's, that's the red, the red turtle, the red bandana turtle fighting with the, the green 
slash white ranger. So, you know, I, I, you know, I think there's at first blush, you're like, well, you know, Raph wears red, you know, put him in the red ranger outfit. Well, no, because Jason's, you know, the leader of his yeah. group. He's more the Leonardo. So it's, it's, you know, color story you, is an easy way out but yeah i can tell you what uh what happened was uh we were designing the turtles and we were working with just one turtle and uh we were like just to get the basic design down right yeah. and it was a red one and i remember we got like the third or fourth design of it and my wife came by and i had it open my computer and i said hey what do you think of this and she goes and it was the red turtle red, red turtle ranger and she goes that's Raphael, right and I was like, well, no, the red one's the leader. So Leonardo should actually be the red ranger. And she goes, if I see a red turtle, that's got to be Raphael. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? She's right. If you see a blue turtle, that's Leonardo. If you yeah. see a yeah, like, and the colors were more important. And I was like, and the weapons would be enough. And it was just the way that she was like, if I see a red turtle, that's Raphael. And she said it was such like, you're an idiot (laughs) that it was such a strong like i thought it was a really smart point and so we completely shift because the colors originally were completely different i had all the colors different and then the last second i think she was right i think ultimately it's like you know because also to think about it like not in all the the power ranger iterations the red ranger is not always the leader so like that was Mm -hmm. the other thing that made like when tommy comes on there the white ranger is the leader and if you look at some of the later series like that's not the way it always works most of the time it is but not always and i thought that Mm -hmm. that was the thing that and also when I, the fun part was when you started to realize you could when we were working through the different weapons and we're like, OK, wait a minute. If we give if we give Michelangelo yellow, he can have Trini's like the 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 the, the daggers, but then we can connect them into a chain. And so they're actually nunchucks. Ah. And then and then we thought when you could take if you made them blue and you take apart Billy's staff, they kind of almost are katana blades. And so that was the fun part when you're like, oh, we can kind of make them feel like like they kind of figured it out together, and so that was that was fun. But yeah, it's just like you know, we for like for like about five minutes, they were completely different colors, and I'm really glad we went the other direction. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. So uh, you know, after all this time with with the Rangers with these characters, you know, what are what are some of the toys that you are are proudest to have left in the toy box for for in other real- writers? Oh, uh, like not actual toys, like the actual yeah. the story. <laughs> that I get narrative, narrative toys now, metaphorically. <laughs> um, I, I really, really like. I think I, I'm a big fan of, of like think about the way that comic books have sort of gone right, which is the idea that like people like Bob Kane and and uh, Bill Finger, like when they created Batman, like they didn't know what they were, they, they were just like making this thing. Right. And then mm-hmm. they just built out the road gallery over time. And it's been over like the last 75 years that those characters have evolved. And it's the, it's the contribution of other writers to mm-hmm. take those original ideas and churn them and make them into their own things. Right. And so I, when I came on to power Rangers, like that was my goal. I was like, I really wanted to create villains and heroes and then just put them aside. Like you don't have to, I don't have to play with them again, but now they're there for anybody else who wants to come in and take them and build out with them and have fun. Like Alpha One was a character that I really, really liked the idea behind that, like an evil alpha mm-hmm. that sort of like, like that Zordon had sort of left behind and was coming back. And I was like, I love the idea of making a Brainiac in the Power Ranger world. That And like now that character is just out there and you can use them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think making, I really enjoyed making Matt the Green Ranger. I thought that was a lot of fun, bringing in another Green Ranger. And that was completely by accident. I had never intended when I created Matt to make him the Green Ranger. I just thought I built that character out. And then there was a moment when I realized that Kyle had left the Green Ranger, the Psycho Dagger there. And they had, I was like, they have the Psycho Dagger, which is a power source. Mm-hmm. And they have the Green Dragon, the Dragon Coin just sitting there, like, that would be cool to bring it. And then I just, and then to me, I was like, oh man, there's such a fun concept here of having Kimberly's ex-boyfriend wearing Tommy's, wearing her current boyfriend's old outfit. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, so like, I really liked that um, to create that character uh, and and kind of, and like riff off of Kyle's creation of Promethea um, and sort of make like a modern sort of thing. So like, I really like that. I think the Meg Rangers are a lot of fun. Um, I had a guy at a comic convention bring me um, a, a Yale helmet that they made. They made the actual helmet from the Ooh. like, yeah. So that was really cool. So like, I think those like the Mega Rangers, I think were really fun. I really loved, I love making the Green Ranger. Um, and I think what's fun to me is like, I don't like as you. I'm gonna say this in a hundred. Like those, a lot of those, some of those stories are not wrapped up. Those mm-hmm. are characters that are still left there, and they're in the wind. And I'm excited to see what Melissa does with them or whoever comes after that to take those characters and, and run with them and do something interesting and cool and unique with them. Um, you know, I know some purists, um, you know, who have reached out to me on social media do not like some of the characters that I created um, or feel like they over overstayed their welcome. But like, my point is, it's like, why do they have to leave? Like they can still it, like, Nobody got sick of of like like Nightwing. Did he overstay his welcome? Like it's just like come on, like build out the world, have it populated with as many interesting characters as you want, and then pick and choose who you want to bring in and who you don't. I feel like that's the fun of a. That's what makes comic books so unique and cool. You know, do you have any more conventions or signings coming up, or are you kind of done for the year? Oh, uh, I'm going to be at New York Comic Con in okay. is that two weeks? Yeah, two weeks. I'll be there. Yeah. That'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> Um, I love that convention. That's a really fun convention. Um, cause it's like, it's still comic books, you know, like when you go to San Diego comic-con, it's like, no one's excited about looking at my glow in the dark variant when the rock is in the other room. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, it's fun. It's fun. To, it's fun that New York's like got a lot of the more comic stuff. So I'm doing that. And then I'm going to do LA comic-con this year. Uh, and then we'll see. Um, I, I think I did like 16 cons this year. So that was, wow. that was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot, but it's fun. It's like, it's, it's really the most uh once people found out that i was leaving the book i had some very nice people come and like one person brought me a, a like a thank you letter like they'd written this whole letter about what my run had meant to them and and their life and that was really cool and and i've had people like drop things when they see me which has been really fun like i, I get to be you know as a comic book writer most people don't know who you are but then you go to like a convention and you're like, got a little sign behind you and people like, lose their mind so it's really nice it's good for the now, vanity yeah <laughs> now now 16 is that like uh, you know making up for lost time or is that you know like pre pre-covid was that like your average for uh, a given year oh that was the i mean i didn't go to i didn't for a year that was just this year this was the first year that i that um that i was uh, that they brought me out for so like people didn't know who i was so this year with power rangers getting to a point there it was and the massiverse and stuff all of a sudden some of the conventions were like hey we'd love to bring you out and i was like oh it's awesome because i'm not i'm not rich i can't afford to fly all those places but <laughs> them bringing me out and getting to see people that way is, has been the nice thing so but yeah that's by far the most and i also hate flying so like it but i've after doing 16 times of doing it across the country like you start to get used to it but mm-hmm. um so hopefully i don't do 16 again in a year because i feel like i can't handle that but 
Um, but yeah, but now once I think with with COVID coming to an end, I was like, man, get me out of this house, <laughs> get me anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I'm I'm doing NYCC this year for the first time since like 2019. So I'm oh, awesome! Looking- well, I'll see you there then. That's yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we. We heard from uh, your, your little friend uh, earlier in the show, but uh, we always like to ask creators about their pets. So tell us about your dog. Oh, man. How much time do we have? Like two more hours? All right. We got Go this. for it. Uh, <laughs> my do- dog's name is Ender, and uh, he's about a year and a half old, I think. That's what we're, that's what we're guessing. Um, we got him in the middle of COVID. Uh, he is named after obviously Ender's game. He was one of three that was there and he was the only, it was a boy, it was two boys and a girl. And I was like, if we take all three, we can name all the characters. Uh, cause that's my, <laughs> fa- that's my, it's my favorite book of all time. So I just thought he was the little, the little runt. And I was like, that's my boy. Um, I love that dog. I don't think I knew what empathy was until I got a dog. Um, I think that, uh, it's made me a better writer. Uh, it's made me a better person. Um, and uh, yeah, I, it's made, and it's changed the way that my wife and I uh, approach everything. Uh, when we were at Power Morphin Con, um, uh, Hasbro, I'd probably get in trouble for saying this, but it's fine. Hasbro sent me a bunch of, for the first time, I think after five years of writing Power Rangers, Hasbro sent me a bunch of like toys. They sent me like the Power Saber and the helmet and all this stuff. And they were like, hey, you know, thank you for all the hard work. Put these behind you when you do the con stuff like that, if you want. And so I took them with me to the Morphin Con and then I sold them there and sent all the money to Beagle Rescue um, because my wife and I have become pretty, pretty aware of of how bad animal testing is in this country and the ridiculousness of how it works. And so um, we've been trying to get into uh um, we've been trying to get into that. So it's been, it's opened up. Our dog has literally changed our lives in the sense that it's opened up my empathy towards other creatures and the way that we handle them. And what I'm volunteering at, we're volunteering at an actual shelter now. So yeah, like it was a big deal. It was a, it was one of those, it was one of those like before there's life before my, I will say this. If you, you guys have animals. Uh, I, I have two dachshunds. Matt has a cat. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yes. So I think for, for, for dogs, I feel like it's like, I do sometimes miss that freedom to be able to just get up and leave the house and for hours, but man, I wouldn't give up a day of belly rubs and just those little looks that they give you. Like when you come in the door after you've been gone for like two hours or like Mm -hmm. if you've been gone for 15 minutes and they didn't think you'd ever come back again, (laughs) like that reaction is like makes that makes it worth it. So like he's a, he's a sheep who he's very cute. He looks like Falcor from, um, from never ending story. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I'm a big fan. Thank you for asking me that. I would talk about my dog forever. My wife (laughs) is the one who takes care of him way more than I do. So she deserves the lion's share of the credit. Yes, she can hear me right now, but I'm just that. Good. But he really is a wonderful. Hold on. Hey, do you have him? Can I show them the dog really fast? This is this is. Oh, he's sleeping. Oh, never mind. I'm sorry. We, we ruined it. No, don't wake him up. That's terrible. <laughs> wake up the dog. For all the radio people out there, just like just. Oh, no. Yeah, it's fine. He's sleeping. He's a very cute dog. He's very people. We get stopped on the street a lot of people being like, what kind of dog is that? Can I steal him? And we're like, no, you can't steal our dog. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is that is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so uh, penultimate question. What are you reading right now? Um, I am not reading as many comics as I should be because uh, actually, that's a lie. I, I started rereading. I've said this before. 100 Bullets. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. That is just the best book, man. Like that is just like that's like 
independent filmmaking as a comic book and like each book you read is like like i was just i just started reading the counterfeit detective and i was like dude this is like noir at its best oh my dog's here hold on you guys want to see the top real fast this oh sure <laughs> this is a little man oh my gosh oh. hello friend he's a cuter look they're in the computer okay <laughs> he's a cutie he's a very good yes. man right my little man okay oh. He's a very cute. He's cute, right? He's a cute pup. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm reading that. Um, what else am I reading? Uh, boy, uh, I'm reading it, it a lot doesn't of have to be comics. <laughs> we, we also we, we like to hear about you, the you, people are reading, too. I just started. Uh, what's the, the guy who did the Martian? Uh, the Hail Mary, Big Hail yeah. Mary. His um, I'm started reading that. That's weird? interesting. Uh huh. What? We're. And yeah, uh, Mark Weir or Matt Weir or, but yeah. anyways, yeah, yeah, I'm sort of reading that, which is really interesting. I was reading, um, uh, I have like a stack this high next to my bed that I read like a quarter of and read it. I was reading Chris Cornell's um, autobiography. Ooh, um, okay. super interesting. Yeah, uh, it's called uh, like a goat head or like massive goat head or something. Super interesting because he was like the people don't realize that like like that Soundgarden really was sort of the beginning of grunge mm-hmm. obviously they didn't get as big as nirvana and and pearl jam and stuff but like he they were the first ones to really like sign and all the other bands kind of followed in their footsteps and then kind of leap them but like it's super yeah. and he was it just so it's, he's a super interesting character um as a person i find him fascinating and then uh what's the other one i have that i'm supposed to be reading right now um oh it's a vonnegut novel um it's the player piano that's the one i've got uh i'm reading that right now so yeah trying to i you know try to read some some fun stuff and a little bit of fun and then and i try to read a script a week like a a movie script a week just for fun just to like just because i I gotta remember that that's that's writing too Mm -hmm. (laughs) i haven't when you write comics for so long and you don't do film and tv for a while you get a little you get a little um i'm like wait how do they what's the spacing on this okay yeah so (laughs) Oh, that's I didn't realize Cornell had written uh, an autobiography. It's not. It's, it's an. I don't think it's. Sorry, it's just a biography. It's not. Oh, an autobiography. oh okay. Yeah, it's just okay. a biography. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to check that out. My wife just got me Dave Grohl's memoir of Storyteller, and uh, that's next on the list, man. Like, I think that that's going to be the most interesting story. It's, he wrote it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I'd have to. All right, I might have to get that. Yeah, I'm probably <laughs> going to buy that tonight. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. Yeah, no, that's my uh, reading. We're taking the train to Disney uh, next month. So, oh, cool. Uh, saving that for then. Yeah. But, uh, Ryan, this has been a fantastic hour. Final question before we release you back into the world. How can people follow you online and keep up with Power Rangers, Power Rangers slash Ninja Turtles, Rogue Sun, and everything else that you have going on? Uh, I'm only pretty much on Twitter. Uh, it's um, at that Ryan Parrot, uh, two R's, two T's. Uh, I don't tweet all that often. When I do, it's usually about the Miami Dolphins. Um, <laughs> and it's been a good few weeks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, and uh, it's all I love Twitter. It's it's a it's a if you uh, don't argue with anybody, it's a wonderful place to to talk about ideas and stuff like that, and just let everything else go. But uh, that's where I'm at. Right on, Ryan. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure, guys. You guys are the best. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcast, Battle of the Atom, and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, co-hosted by Matt Lazowitz and our bud, Will Nevin. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. 
You can support WMQ&A at patreon.com slash WMQComics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail for my collection. A $2 donation gets you a slot in the ComicsXF staff picks. A $3 donation gets you access to our bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom, and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis, Robert Secundus, Cap Purcell, Liz Large, and Will Nevin from ComicsXF, Carla Pacheco, Mike Sagawa, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. the Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLess1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember, Pete Wisdom was actually the first character to ever say, To me, my X-Men. WMQA.